like to be honest with you all and start this episode with sharing that when I launched this platform in 2019, I certainly did not have expectations for the platform to reach nine seasons. I would like to start this new season by thanking you, the listeners, and all of the valuable guests I've had the privilege to interview. I'm Vincent A. Lancey, your host of That Entrepreneur Show. Season nine is here, and we have a guest that is changing podcasting for the better. He is streaming in from the United Kingdom, and today we are joined by... James Mulvaney, welcome to the show. (laughs) James, I'm glad you're joining me and our listeners for season nine. For all of you joining us for the first time, whether you are looking to start or scale your business, this is the show for you. Each week, I interview a different entrepreneur from across the globe. You never know which motivational journey will inspire you most. Each guest will take you through their story and help you learn from their successes and lessons learned. To begin season nine, we have an entrepreneur from the podcasting field that is the founder of Matchmaker FM, his newest endeavor, but also Radio.co and Podcast.co. This guy is helping podcasters everywhere find guests for their shows. In addition to so much more, he's been featured on Fox, NBC, CBS, ABC News, and more. So get ready to learn a whole lot and allow me to now introduce James Mulvaney. James, thank you so much for joining the show. No problem, Vince. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Would you mind introducing yourself a little more to our listeners and previewing your story without giving away too much of your entrepreneurial journey? So it's a top level sum up. Yeah. So uh, my name's James. I'm uh, 33 years old. I've been um, running various online businesses for like the last 15 years. I got started when I was about sort of 16, 17 years old. Um, Primarily, I've always been involved with audio. So my businesses uh, right now are all audio focused and I've I've historically been involved in the radio space, podcasting, Um, done a couple of other projects as well. Um, you know, like like most entrepreneurs, I've had some failures, some businesses that haven't gone so well, and I've also had a I've been lucky enough to have some that have gone very well. So um, yeah, it, it kind of fifteen years in, I'm I'm still enjoying it. I still uh, I wake up some days and and kind of think this is amazing, and of course some days you wake up and you think, oh my god, this is just getting on top of me. But that's just part of what we do as entrepreneurs, right? I could certainly resonate with all of yeah. that. I think it's a perfect time to dive into the big five. You ready to rock and roll? Absolutely. Let's go for it. There are many reasons and situations that lead individuals into entrepreneurship. Please Mm. describe what led you to start your entrepreneurial journey. Like, I think for me, it was, as I said, I got started at a really early age. I never actually had a job working for anyone. um, And it was just curiosity. I think like I was I was 16. I just finished uh, high school and I had this period of time where I was supposed to be studying for my exams. It's called study leave here in the UK. And um, I th- rather than actually revising for my exams, I was like, I had this computer, I'd sort of been learning how to build websites. And I was really just like, I want to see if I can make money. My friends are going out doing part time jobs, you know, uh, paper rounds or working at McDonald's or whatever. And I was like, I just want to, I don't want to do that. I want to see can I make money using my computer. So that was kind of my foray into, um, you know, running online businesses and, and entrepreneurship. And, um, you know, I, I I really at the beginning all I wanted to do was just like make a few bucks on the side so to speak I wasn't I hadn't got this grand ambition of of running a big company or anything like that it was just like I don't want to have to go out and get a job working for someone so what can I do to to make some money 
while I kind of before I went into college. A lot of people choose entrepreneurship for the freedom, for that flexibility. Mm-hmm. But as you mentioned, there has been some bumps in the road. What year did you launch your first business, whether it was intentional or not? So, well, the, the first, the I suppose I kind of started out online in 2003. So the first business I started was probably about a year later. So about 2004. One of the early pioneers, it seems, with online businesses. And it's yeah. great to see all of your continued success. But since you've been on this journey, please let our listeners know, what are two of the most difficult challenges for you for being an entrepreneur? Um, uh, firstly, I think, uh, well, I think challenges change really throughout the years. Um, two of my big challenges at the moment are recruitment because we've been kind of expanding the team. And uh, certainly here in Manchester, it was, it was when you're hiring technical staff, it can be quite difficult, you know, um, it's a kind of common problem with, with within the tech industry. You know, there's there's a huge uh, demand and for, for developers and technical sort of staff, but not enough supply basically. And mm-hmm. I think um, certainly here here in Manchester, that used to be like when I first moved my business here, which is about ten years ago, it was a lot easier to hire. Um, now, because there's a lot of bigger companies have moved into Manchester and, and they're seeing it as a viable alternative outside London, I think it's become harder to hire. So so that's one challenge. Um, and I think as well, one of the other challenges as we've sort of grown as a business has been kind of communication. So keeping everyone on the same page, like is a lot easier to do when you've got, say, you know, five to 10 staff. Uh, we've, we're currently about 33. So we've had to focus over the last couple of years really on um, making sure that especially communication between different departments uh, requires, I think, a lot more focus and attention than perhaps it, it did when we first started out. Well, congratulations on 33 hires. That's certainly a tremendous feat. Myself speaking, I've had such difficulty finally letting someone else help join my team. And I really needed it for marketing because as I'm getting a little bit older, there are college kids who are on their phones since birth, so they may add value. But unfortunately, I had commitment issues on separate occasions with interns. And I exhausted some time in the beginning to help the intern feel comfortable and explain how I like things done. I invest that time up front to hopefully not have to invest that time again. I found myself catching up because of lack of commitment. I had to catch up on the work that wasn't done and then catch up to what was needed. Did you run across that in the beginning? Yeah, I completely, it's really interesting because, um, you know, it's easy to sit here and say, oh, yeah, I've got 33 staff and everything. You know, like the, the first hire is always the most difficult one. And I heard, hired my first member of staff around 2010. Uh, and that was I just graduated from university. Um, so I really spent those four years at uni kind of building the business to a level where I was like, I've, I've, I don't need to go out and find a job. You know, I was yeah. earning enough to, to live off. But then, of course, when you take on a member of staff, you're like, this is a huge risk because well initially you think it's a huge risk because you know suddenly you're not responsible for your own wages but you've got to pay theirs as well mm-hmm. and like you just said i think it, it, the, the, the thought of oh can we get someone else you know only i understand my business i think a lot of entrepreneurs when they start yes. out you know it's like you do everything you wear many hats you kind of you're the, i was the sales guy i was the, the support guy i was developing the software i was building the website i was doing the sales and marketing so to get someone in to think right well, can they possibly how can they possibly understand all these different functions um and I think the the thing that you, to, to think about when you're a bit of advice, really, when you're thinking about hiring your first member of staff is look at what you do, what is what you're spending your time doing in your business that is is preventing you from moving forward or generating the least amount of, of income or revenue. So it's taking up a lot of your time, but it's not actually really responsible for, you know, 
growing the business or, or generating revenue. That's kind of like the first high you should make should be to kind of kind of alleviate that pressure away from from you as a founder. Very well said, and thank you for delving deeper into that. And you mentioned before you had some rocky bumps. Some, not everything went smoothly. Yeah. From your experiences in entrepreneurship, what is one of your greatest failures or lessons learned, and what did it teach you? Um, that's a good question. Uh, gee, I mean, like I've had a few businesses that just haven't worked. I um, I started a company um, which was in an industry I wasn't that familiar with. I think uh, called CDNFI, uh, and that was that was probably the biggest failure to date in terms of like I invested a lot of time and money in that business. Um, you know, obviously by that stage, I had a, a, a sort of started it probably three, four years after I started hiring mm -hmm. staff. So I was maybe up to about 10 or 12 then. Okay. And, uh, you know, obviously the team spent a lot of their time developing a platform and really we took it to market without, I don't think I'd fully understood the, the sort of the demographic that we were targeting and, right. and really it just didn't work out. Like it was one of these, we ended up selling the business. Um, but I, you know, it was probably really a case of just trying to scrape back some of what I spent on it versus like making a huge amount of money. Uh, so, so it was just, yeah, that was a catastrophic failure. And I think one of the things I suppose I learned mainly was, was going into a market that you're completely unfamiliar with is, is kind of dangerous sometimes. I think that's I great advice. So you would, would say more research. Yeah. And I was, I think I was chasing something where I was like, rather than being genuinely passionate about it, I was thinking, oh, there's an opportunity here. You know, I just thought like, there's clearly money here, but uh, we, we probably marketed it wrong and maybe we're a little bit late to market, but yeah, this was probably about, I don't know, eight or nine years back now. Um, but yeah, I think that was one of those turning points for me where I sort of thought, mm, you know, maybe let's not do this again. I think you've pivoted to now doing something you enjoy as you yeah. have several businesses that, you're happy with, you're smiling. I'm looking at you right now. You mentioned the growth <laughs> into your teams, which is fantastic. But if you could learn a little more and pick one entrepreneur to have a conversation with, we could do dead or alive here, James. Who would you choose? Oh, gee, one entrepreneur that I could have a conversation with. I think Steve Jobs, you know, he's fascinating. And, uh, you know, again, when when I was kind of grown, initially starting my business in the late 2000s, uh, you know, watching him on stage like presenting the iphone and the ipad and you know i was totally hooked in, in, in becoming like this kind of apple nerd and before that i used to use windows when i was kind of growing up and you know i think he was watching him shape apple in that period between like 2007 and maybe you know 2010 like that was a huge period for change and a lot of people got on board with apple then and i think that was really fascinating so steve jobs is is probably one of those people Yes, he's. Yes, I feel like it was just a, such a shame that he, he he left us so early. Really, you know. When you look at his video clips and you look at the inspiration that he shares and how he approached life, mm. I also, of course, try to adapt some of his teachings. Yeah, yeah, and just his his ability, like to to present, like when you see that presentation of how he explained the iPhone and because the device was something that people had never really seen before. Never. How, yeah. how he broke it down into something that's kind of completely, it was understandable, it was relatable and immediately people just thought, okay, we completely see what this device is for and the benefits it brings. You know, that's a masterclass in kind of sales and presentation, I think. Just looking at him, I couldn't agree more. Let's yeah. look into the future here, James. We're going to go one year and five years out. I'm excited to hear about all of the growth you have in mind. Let's talk about one year from now. So I think one year, like at the moment, we're, we're seeing huge growth, growth on our platform with matchmaker.fm. It's a very exciting platform. We, we launched about a year ago in March 2020. Um, 
and we've, we've just hit 27,000 users now. Um, Congratulations. So we, we celebrate 25,000, what feels like a few weeks back. So it's kind of, it's, it's, the numbers are growing every day. Um, so really, we're, in a year's time, uh, we've, we've kind of focused initially on building the community. Now it's obviously, we're thinking more about how we can monetize it. Um, so we've got lots of things planned on the roadmap over the next year. We're launching our mobile apps. Um, we're introducing some agency functionality. So in a year's time, it'd be interesting to see, you know, where we've taken that to, because we've kind of, as I say, we've, we've got a substantial community there now. We're getting Absolutely. lots of podcasters results and, and people who want to be on podcast results. So that's, that's kind of the first uh, mission, which we've accomplished. The next is, is like, we need to try and um, generate, get it. So it's, it's cash flow positive, basically. Yeah. And five years. In five years, I'd like to have exited one of my businesses. I've, uh, as I say, I've got these three different companies now. So really, uh, you know, by then, I, I would hope that, that one of them has <laughs> been sold, just to put it simply. <laughs> so James, which business out of those three have you been working on the longest? So Radio.co is uh, the, the longest business. I'd say that's kind of like quite mature now. We've got about 4,500, 5,000 clients. Okay. Um, so yeah, we, we launched Radio.co july or august 2015 so it's uh, coming up to six years old which is it's flowed by to be honest you know like five years has gone like that you know um but you know it was one of these things where first couple of years it was we were moving very fast growing the platform and, and it's kind of it's a little bit more stable now so we're, we're sort of a kind of a good level we're still growing um but we've kind of been through that period of like you know the aggressive growth and now we're sort of we're at a level where you know the platform's stable we've got lots of clients we're still uh we're still onboarding new customers every day but um you know it's it was sort of i feel like we know really what we're doing and it's kind of it's a mature product i guess now i'm looking forward to hearing all about it i'll have to definitely keep in touch with you and perhaps bring you back on the show down the road to talk about the exit when it happens yeah. but thank you for an amazing episode so far and i think it's a great time to get into the spotlight story okay each week I share an entrepreneurial journey to inspire our listeners, and I would love to hear your take on this story. As we have a rock star UK entrepreneur on the show this week, I will introduce the story of another in Philip Green. Green left school at 15 and worked for a shoe importer. This job took him across Europe to the US and then the Far East. When he was 21 years old, he set up his own business with a loan of 20,000, I guess it was Lira at this point, where he began importing and selling jeans. Next, he bought up bankrupt stock from 10 designer label brands and then sold his clothing from his own retail locations. He continued to gradually build up his businesses over the years, buying many clothing and retail chain stores, earning him the bulk of his fortune today. And right now, he's the current CEO of the Arcadia Group, which is a retail company that includes major brands like Miss Selfridge, Topshop, Top Men, Evans, Wallace, Burton, and Dorothy Perkins. James, what do you like best about his hustle and story? Well, he's a controversial character. Um, I'm not sure if you, you're fully aware of like his his history. I mean, uh, I'd say he's not the most popular of guys here in the UK now. Like, I Let's think talk about he, it. He he he's been very very well known for like a lot of tax avoidance. So his wife is a permanent resident in Monaco. Uh, you know, he goes around super yachts and all that kind of stuff. So he lives this very extravagant like billionaire lifestyle. But of course, as a result, he's very well known for not paying a huge amount of tax in the UK, which obviously there's, you know, some people will think, you know, that, that's not great. Um, recently, Arcadia, the, the the high street stores, so Top Man, for example, is, is equivalent to like American Eagle. It's very, very similar. Um, 
to American Eagle. Um, you know, it's one of those places I've, I've been to, I bought clothes from when I was growing up, you know, especially right. when I was kind of at college. That's the sort of uh, age demographic, I suppose, is probably like 18 to, to sort of 30. So it's kind of like, and top, top shop is again aimed at younger women. So I think it's a great shame that so all those those stores have just basically gone gone bust. And ASOS, which is a big online re- retailer, bought the brands. So they bought the, the the intellectual property and the clothes from Topshop and Topman. However, those um, the actual retail stores on the high street are apparently not reopening. So of course, the, again, lots and lots of jobs have been lost there, which is a great shame. Um, and again, I think this is just going back to the the, the whole thing where the the high street is changing, isn't it? You know, so many people like uh, uh, this is again as, as a result, I think, of, of of lockdown of COVID. You know, the shops have been closed for like the last year, basically, for you know, on and off for the last year. So, uh, and and as a, as a result, they're not reopening. Um, Philip Green also had um, another chain of stores, which there was some controversy around called BHS, which is British Home Stores, which is like one of an old school department store and that closed, I think, about probably five years ago now. Uh, again, you know, it wasn't great. There was, um, I don't, I want to, I don't want to sort of get, uh, I want to get, sort of get my facts right. But from what I understand, there were a lot of, uh, obviously people who lost their jobs because they shut all the, the stores down. But from what I understand, he kind of, he, he took a lot of money out of that company before it went bust. Uh, so I don't know, Philip Green, I'm not sure he's, uh, he's exactly the best role model for everyone, but you know, undoubtedly, like if you listen, you know, when you when you read his sort of back profile there, you know, in the early days, for sure, he obviously made some smart decisions. You know, he he has grown this empire and he has built, this, you know, this huge business. I think obviously in recent years, things have maybe floundered for him a bit and maybe uh, he's just not kept up with the times, you know, like mm-hmm. with, with Topshop and uh, Topman, like they're still, they were still like hot brands, if you like, there's still people going to them. Uh, I just think they hadn't, uh, probably adopted enough of a digital strategy and perhaps they probably had too many too many locations on the high street you know because they're literally in every town city sometimes multiple stores in one city you know that kind of thing so of course that causes lots of overheads um, and, and companies uh, like Boohoo and ASOS and like various other online brands in the UK have kind of stolen chunks of that market because they're all people younger people these days are shopping online versus in store I guess so yeah I guess that's my take on it really I appreciate such a thorough answer and something I've been trying to hold myself more accountable for is picking spotlight stories that resonate better with my guest in the beginning yeah. of the show. I just, I was finding great stories, but I found out there wasn't much correlation. And as an entrepreneur, you're growing, you, you can't do everything right the first time. <laughs> so I'm glad that I was able to pick someone that you were able to contribute such valuable feedback and a lot of great learning lessons you provided from your thoroughness. And I have to thank you so much for coming on the show today. I know the listeners are going to see a ton of value in your show. I loved how you started in the beginning saying, this is what you've always wanted. You didn't want to work at McDonald's like your friends. You didn't waste time <laughs> doing things that weren't going to, that were going to delay your future. You wanted to get right to it. I loved your difficult parts of entrepreneurship and the conversation we shared about hiring employees, a challenge that many people listening on to this platform will share. And of course, your ambitions you shared with exiting one of your three businesses. I'm looking forward to your future. And it is now time for the last word. And I do this in my other podcast series too, because I want the listeners to really have the opportunity to get to know all of my guests. Is there something else that you would like to share with our listeners, James? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I guess just to finish up, um, you know, podcasting is a great space to be right now. If you're an entrepreneur, you're looking to raise awareness of your products, your services, sign up to matchmaker.fm because, um, you know, being on podcasts like I'm doing today is a really, really great way to, to raise awareness of, and grow your personal brand. Uh, I guess that's my finishing word. It's a little bit of a pitch, but, you know, why not? <laughs> I can agree with you as far as getting onto other podcasts. Yeah. First quarter goals, I set a goal of getting myself on five outside podcasts to help spread my message, share my my goals, help make collaborations happen. This yeah. quarter, I'm doing it again because of how much fun I had interacting with others. But James, you mentioned that you have some great services to sign up for. Can you please share how to find those services, your social media, any ways for our listeners to request these services, follow your endeavors? Yeah, sure. So all of my social links, if you go to jamesm.com, uh, my social media links are on there. Interestingly, I actually have a YouTube video, which might be of interest to your audience, which is called 30 Podcasts in 30 Days. So, you know, you just mentioned that you set yourself a goal of getting like five, or five podcasts in a quarter, which I think is good. It's a nice achievable goal. I went crazy last summer because I had some time on my hands because I was in lockdown and I was like, ah, I'm going to do 30 podcasts in 30 days. And I actually ended up doing 48. Uh, so I documented the whole process. So I've got two YouTube videos, which shows you exactly the process I used, how to kind of convey uh, your story via a pitch, what sort of podcast to look for. Um, so, so you can go check that out. Uh, as I say, my YouTube links on jamesm.com. Uh, aside from our, uh, apart from that, you know, if you want to check out our, our products and services, matchmaker.fm, podcast.co, radio.co, um, you know, get in touch if you've got any questions. Be sure to check out all of his websites and great content and reach out if you want, because he is here to help. And as you can tell by this conversation, he's got a lot to offer. Thanks, it's James. also, of course, James, it's <laughs> also social media time for the show and we're on whichever platform you like to use. We're at that entrepreneur show on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. And on Twitter, we're at podcasts by Lancey. So you have updates from this show and a mental health break. Of course, my handles are at Vincent A. Lancy for all social media and YouTube. And my website is vincentalancy.com. If you check out my books, DM me. I would love to hear from you all. We have Mr. Lancy Talks Mental Health, Left for Dead, A Story of Redemption, and How to Transform Your Mindset When the Norm is Changed. All are on Amazon and my website now. And as always... I will end the show with a quote that inspired me and know it will for you too. And this one is from today's spotlight entrepreneur, Philip Green. He said, quote, they already know all about brands, but what 16 and 17 year olds won't necessarily have is experience of the world of work. The more that businesses get involved with schools, the better because businesses sometimes complain that students don't have what they require to succeed in work. Thank you for listening. And I'll see you all on the next episode of That Entrepreneur Show.